we are in spiritual battle training. We are in spiritual battle training. And our training today will help us gain a better perspective about the enemies we face. By surrendering to the finished work of Christ on the cross, Christ crucified, we've joined His battle. Whether we like it or not, we have. But not only that, we also are enjoined in His victory. And this is why we sing that hymn, Victory in Jesus. Still, we need to understand as much as we can about the enemies that we face and the tools that we are given to work with. It's wise to prepare for battle by learning about God's enemies because His enemies are also our enemies. So I want you to open your Bibles to the 6th chapter of Ephesians. And in the Bibles in your seats there, you'll find it on page 1801. We're going to begin at verse 10, and we're going to read through verse 18. It's the same text that we've used in uh, the last few weeks, because it tells us about the spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, and reading through verse 18. Oops, I'm in the wrong one. There we go. Now that makes sense. Okay, and this is what we hear there. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Notice whose might it is? It's His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, excuse me, you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And I'll pray, verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador. I pray Almighty God will add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word today, and I trust that He will. Even though we find several levels or types of the enemy, I want to remind you first that Almighty God is with us. Remember the words that are written in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? 
Almighty God is with the faithful, obedient believers. Those who follow Christ. Remember what's written in, in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, where the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Who's the shield? Almighty God. Almighty God. This applies to all believers. Faith in our Creator is our shield. We know that from the description of the armor. Faith is the shield. Faith. Remember what's written in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 29. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. Now, God was speaking to those people at that time, but that principle applies to us. God is our shield. He's our protector. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, in verse 6, it's written, nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And I was reading in, uh, of Gideon and how God said, no, you've got too many guys. You've got to cut down the army. Now, the enemy's troops were in multitudes. And God whittled him down to 300 men. And they prevailed in the battle because God was with them. We have to remember, God is with us. Even when it looks as if He isn't. He is with us. And it applies to all of us. Each of these Scriptures apply to each of us. Remember the words that are written in the 27th Psalm. The Lord is my light. Who's my light? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who's my salvation? The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Who's the strength of my life? The Lord is. Of whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I be afraid? In Psalm 46 and verse 1, it's written, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And we see troubling times around us all over the world today. We hear of wars. We hear of rumors of wars. We know there are lots of things going on that maybe we don't even know of, except we know there's things going on that we don't understand. God is our refuge. He's our strength. In God, it's written in Psalm 56, I will praise His Word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Jesus Himself said, Fear God. He can cast you into hell. I'll fear these people. God's a very present help. In Psalm 84, in verse 11, it's written, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. Do you hear that same thing coming up in a variety of ways? God is our shield. He's our shield. Think about that. Faith in Almighty God shields us, protects us, keeps us. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who sin. No, no, that's not what it says, is it? From those who walk uprightly. Okay, right, right. I thought I... Yeah. See, sin is the opposite of walking uprightly. And no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, it's written in Psalm 
84.12, Blessed is the man who trusts in you. And that goes for you too, ladies. We are blessed when we trust in God. And sometimes when things are assaulting us, it's difficult to remember that passage. And so I want you to memorize them. I want you to get, if you want this, I'll give you the list of Scriptures here so that you can actually read them and remember them. Because I want you to remember them. I want you to memorize them because these Psalms provide comfort and reassurance. Because the enemy doesn't stop. You know, just when you think things are going great, then suddenly, bam, something happens. You're like, what happened? The enemy doesn't give up. He's trying to take you out. I know that's not a recruitment message for Christianity. Come to Jesus and you're going to get beat up. No. And, and most people won't even talk about it, but it's the truth. And you've got to hear it. But you have to know that God is with you if, in fact, you've placed your faith in Him. If you have your faith placed properly, you have that shield around you. No weapon, it's written in Isaiah 54 and verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, it's written. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. We have imputed righteousness. We have righteousness placed upon us by the sacrifice of Christ. He takes away our sins. Our sins are washed away. And it's interesting, when I look at God's Word, I say, well, we need to understand this. We need to know that we are protected because the enemy is going to throw every little thing you ever did in your face. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's going to tell you those things you did wrong. And you know what I do when he does that to me? And he does do it to me. I say, Lord, you've forgiven me. I give that to you. Just give it to God. Because he forgave me of that. If I forgot it, God forgot it. The devil brings it up because he wants you to be falling back into that sin. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. In Jeremiah chapter 1, and verse 19, it's written, They will fight against you, but they will not prevail. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. He was with those people. Do we somehow think that He's not with us? He says He's with us. I will be with you to the end of the age, our Lord said. We have eternal deliverance. We are delivered from evil. Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of My Father's hand. That's written in John chapter 10. In 1 John chapter 4, it's written, You are of God, little children. And he's not talking to the, just the babies, okay? He's talking to all of us. You are of God, little children. You are of God and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. You need to know this. You need to know it because when those assaults come, and they surely will, you need to know. You need to be able to say, I am of God and I will overcome. I have overcome by Christ in me. And the enemy of our souls is multifaceted. There's no doubt about that. But God 
is with us. Can we say amen and praise God? God is with us. God is with us. Now, I want you to notice the ranks that are listed there in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. To better understand these terms and the enemy that they represent, we need to look at the meaning of some of the root words. I'm not going to look at them all. Time won't permit it. This could be, just this particular text could be three or four messages. I'm going to try to condense it down. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So when somebody comes against you, recognize that it's not the human being that's fighting you. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against what? Well, what are we, what's wrestling? What's that even mean? Wrestling. Well, the, the, the root word meaning there means wrestling like a contest between two in which uh, each one endeavors to throw the other. And it's decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. Think about that. The enemy is trying to hold us down, trying to choke the life of Christ out of us. And Almighty God's not going to let him. If we walk in Christ, if we live in Christ, if we surrender to Christ, if we accept the victory that we have in Jesus, we cannot be killed eternally. It's a term that's transferred to the Christian struggle with the power of evil. This is the picture of wrestling. There's always this. You're trying to get out of those moves that they're putting on you. Whomever they are, those spiritual forces that are embodied in human beings. And it's also like when we strive against sin and the temptation to sin. Sometimes our own Selfish nature is our worst enemy. Because we get caught up in those things. And the temptation just keeps coming. The enemy knows our weaknesses. He places those things in our paths. Whatever they are. Our Lord said, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Strive. You see, there's that striving. Unfortunately, much of modern Christianity tells you there is no strife in Christ. That there is no striving in Christ. There is no wrestling in Christ. Come to Jesus and have your best life now. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God does not say that. It tells us, strive to enter through the narrow gate you haven't resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. That's what's written in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4. That applies to us just as it did to those people at that time. When people oppose us or governments oppress, when human beings persecute believers, remember that they're being used. They're, in, they're, in, they're being controlled by evil forces. And we have the tendency to get mad at the man or the woman, but it's not the man or the woman because they're under the influence or under the control of Satan. Ultimately, 
And we're sure to be opposed when we're in the will of God. There's no doubt about that. When we're striving against sin, we will be opposed. Just say, I'm not going to do that. And watch how many times you're tempted to do that. Whatever that is. You will be. God allows us to be tempted, but not beyond what we are able to escape. And He makes the way of escape for us. That's what His Word says. Even though it's difficult, we must follow the example of Christ. And we must pray for those who persecute us. Pray for those who despitefully use us. Pray as He did. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Every one of us has a role in the kingdom of God and the enemy will do anything in his power. Or we should say their power because of these different ranks of enemies. They'll do anything in their power to stop us from fulfilling our purpose. That is a fact. And anyone who's walked with Christ for any length of time will be able to tell you the same thing. The enemy tries to derail you tries to take you off course, to get you off the path of Christ, to get you walking another path, looking another way, turning away from God. The sad reality is that they lose. I mean, it's a joyous reality for us, but for them, it's sad. All authority belongs to the author of creation. Who's the author of creation? Almighty God. He's the author of creation. He authored. He authorized creation. He permits temptation. He permits trials. He permits tribulations. And He does that to test us and sometimes to prune us. Sometimes to strengthen us. I, I once did a series of messages that I entitled, Pruned If You Do and Pruned If You Don't. And God's Word shows us that uh, the dead wood gets cut off, pruned off of the tree. We don't produce fruit. We get cut off. If we do produce fruit, then He trims us, prunes us, nips us a little bit. It's never comfortable. He wants to get our attention. He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bring souls into His kingdom. Now, the first level of evil that's mentioned in Ephesians 6 is principalities. Principalities. These are listed as first because they are first in rank. And that root word signifies a chief, or first in order, first in time, first in place, first in rank. And the first in rank are the one in power ruling over others. You see, there is a hierarchy in Satan's kingdom, just as there is in any military. Any military force has ranks. They only have temporary power, though, because ultimately Christ rules. We find it written in the first chapter of Ephesians that our Lord Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Far above. See, He rules supreme. 
they have a certain amount of power that's been delegated to them. They are permitted to operate. And at some point in time, that will end. It hasn't yet, because if it had, we wouldn't see the strife that we see in the world today. He's far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And this is a picture of the victory that we have in Christ. This is a picture of the victory. He is above them. They do not rule over Him. And if we are in Him, we are seated with Him in the heavenly places. That's what the Word says. And we can't grasp that in our minds because our minds are finite. We can't go beyond the physical and thinking in spiritual terms in Christ, we are above those enemies. And we can have that victory in Jesus simply by recognizing that we are in Christ. We can call upon Almighty God to relieve us from the burdens. I pray, God help us. In Colossians chapter 2, it's written, having disarmed principalities and powers, He disarmed them. He's above them. He rules over them. And yet they're still permitted to operate. Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in His resurrection. He triumphed. They thought they had Him down. And He broke free. And we're about to celebrate that in a few weeks. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yahashua. Messiah. The One who came. Who lived. Who taught. Who was tortured. He was tried. Falsely. Multiple times. Did He give up? No. He maintained the course. And this is a picture of believers in Christ. We are also to maintain that course no matter what the enemy throws at us. No matter what. In the third chapter of Ephesians, Paul writes about the unsearchable riches of Christ and the grace of God that's given to Him so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Do you know that He tells us He has delegated to us all power over the power of the enemy? That's what He says in His Word. We've been given that. We've been given that power over the enemy. We are to show it to the enemy. It's to be known by the church. We made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. I'll tell you folks, I don't go alone if I'm going to be battling. I want the prayerful support of brothers and sisters in Christ. And I covet your prayers because as I preach, the enemy comes against me. And I need your prayer support. I'm just human. In Christ, I can rule with Him. But I'm still human here. The enemy can still do what the enemy does. I've got to be on guard. I need to make sure that there's no sin in my life. And I need to confess any sin that may come into my life. And therefore I do. Faithful, obedient believers are the church that's spoken of in that passage. 
The manifold wisdom of God may be known by the faithful, obedient believers. By the church. It's not the building. It's not this building or any other like it. Or unlike it for that matter. It's the people. It's the people. We're given the same grace. We are given the grace to operate in and under God's authority. We operate in God's authority and we operate under His authority. We are not supreme to God. God is supreme to us. Just as God is supreme to all other created beings. And all of those spiritual forces are created beings. They are under Him. The next level of evil is called powers. They're the leading and more powerful among created beings, superior to man. They are spiritual potentates. You see, there's levels. And they're set up beyond us. I'm not going to go and, and battle with these alone. I need support. I need the team of people that God has given to me to pray. Because whenever you go into the Word of God and you find something that God tells you to deliver to a group of people, the enemy wants to stop it. We see that so many times in this place. So this morning when the microphone wouldn't work again. I praise God. Potentate is one who holds great power or sway like a prince. And there are many passages of Scripture that either allude to this or speak directly to it. When the prince of this particular region with, with battled in the heavenlies against the archangel, we see this image coming to life in reality. The spiritual powers are evil in nature. They have not got your good in mind. <clears throat> they're set against the furthering of Christ's kingdom. And each of us are to be set toward the furthering of Christ's kingdom. And so therefore, that's the battle. That's where the battle is. Believers who are engaged in kingdom building are targeted heavily. Those who are training up the troops are targeted heavily. Children, spouses, and other loved ones are also attacked. And I'm speaking from personal experience. I've watched my children be attacked. Not just outside of the church. Inside the body of believers. I've watched my spouse come under attack. Not just outside, but inside. Sometimes those attacks come in the form of subtle temptations. Subtle temptations. Just a little bit. Have a bite of sin. And those temptations gradually lead to overtly sinning and destruction. This is what happened in the garden. This is what's been happening ever since. And the enemy of souls wants nothing more than to destroy your soul. That's the problem in the world today. The enemy's got a foothold. And God's people aren't standing up en masse. We're cowering. We're hiding. We don't want to fight. We weren't taught to fight. We weren't told we had to fight. 
The truth is, we're in the battle whether we like it or not. Sometimes those attacks happen to the church and sometimes they happen within it. I've watched that happen too. Right here in this building. I have watched full-scale attacks. I have watched wars. And I said, Lord, it's You that I serve. I don't serve anyone but Him. I deliver His Word to you just like the postman brings you the mail. And he says, here you go. This is for you. Here's your mail. Now you can either take it or you can leave it. You can accept it or you can reject it. But it is for you because He gave it to me to give to you. That's the truth of it. And sometimes it makes me weary. But I'll tell you, I'm not going to give up till He takes the breath out of this body that He gave into this body because I live for Him and I will die for Him. That's the bottom line. And you know, when it comes down to it, folks, each of us need to have that mindset where we are fully surrendered to Christ, that we are completely covered in Christ. Truth and righteousness, faith, and all of those things that are called the armor. That is a picture of Christ, and we are to be in Christ. And that way we can rule in this world as His servants. Must always remember He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. He's the one that opened up that prison we were locked in, that prison of sin. He's the one that let us out. That's how He delivered us from the power of darkness. Darkness doesn't reign in our lives. We have the light of Christ if in fact we do. And that light reigns. That light shines. And others can see it. I remember one time I was doing a funeral down in Freeport. Didn't know the man had passed. Didn't know anybody in the room. And I saw one woman in that crowd. And it just looked like a dark crowd. Like the whole crowd was dark. But one woman I saw the light of Christ in. And after the service, she came up. I preached the gospel at a funeral, especially if I don't know the people. I don't know if they're saved or born again. I don't know if they're lost. I don't know anything about them. But in this particular group of people, I could tell they were lost. And after that service, that woman came up to me and she said, thank you, Pastor. You preached exactly what they needed to hear. And I knew who they were because I saw them spiritually. I wasn't seen with physical eyes. The room was as lit as this one. I was seen with spiritual eyes. And God showed me those people were lost and on their way to hell because they were not walking with Christ. And everybody needs to hear that gospel. Everybody needs to hear that good news. He came. He lived. He preached. He taught. He discipled. And He said, now you go out and do the same. And that's what we're to do. And we're going to face battles because of it. Think about that. The rulers of the darkness of this world. That's the next level. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Rulers comes from root words that indicate Satan and world rulers. Satan controls world rulers that oppose the Gospel of Christ. 
The darkness of this world is shadiness. It's obscurity. It's, dare I say it, secrets. Secrets. We have secret societies in the world today. As President Kennedy said, the very idea of which is repugnant to a free society. Satan controls those world rulers. Remember, it's written in John chapter 8 that our Lord said He's the light of the world and those who follow Him shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Shall not walk in darkness. So when you see people who claim to be followers of Christ walking in darkness, you have to recognize they're not walking in Christ because they don't have the light. Satan's controlling them. And you know, this is God's timeless, eternal promise that begins with His grace that brings us to repentance and it ends in everlasting life for whosoever will. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. You are the light of the world. But guess what happens? <clears throat> if there are enemies and you're on the hill and you're shining the light, guess who else can see it? The enemies can see it. They see you have the light. They try to snuff out the light. And remember, it's not the men and the women that are opposing you that are doing that. It is the enemy within them that's doing it. And if you're shining the light of Christ, brightly proclaiming the truth of Almighty God to draw souls out of the darkness, you will come under attack. And that again is personal experience. Does that stop me? Do I run and hide? Do I, do I just cower behind? Hey, I'll give you some cotton candy today, boys and girls. No. I'm going to give you the meat of God's Word. To the best of my limited ability, I will do what it is that God has called me to do. I will say what He wants me to say. I will be who He wants me to be. I will do what He wants me to do. I will go where He wants me to go. And that's what I want for all of you. I want you to get to that place of complete and absolute surrender where you recognize that the truth of Almighty God brings you victory. Eternal victory. You might not win every battle here. I know I haven't. There was a time when I was undefeated. That time since past. But in Christ, I am victorious. And I will stand firmly planted upon the power of Almighty God's Word. God is my shield. He is my protector, just as He is yours. If we follow Him, we will not walk in darkness. We won't stumble if we remain in the light of Christ. But we have to remember that walking in sin is walking in darkness. We may not go on sinning and expect that somehow we're walking in the light. That is not the same thing. 
Overcoming the rulers of darkness of this world is done by Christ in whom we are secured. He already won. The scripture is clear. He won the victory. And this is why it's crucial to yield to Christ every day. Every day. No one, it's written in Luke chapter 11 and verse 33, no one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. We don't hide our faith. We don't obscure it. We reveal it. We shine that light wherever we are. The next title in Ephesians chapter 6 is the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The wicked spirits are controlled by Satan and his demons. There's no way around that. They're malicious. They're depraved. They plot and they execute iniquity upon human beings. That's what they do. And we may not like that idea, but it's true. They have degenerated from their original virtue. God did not create them evil. They've degenerated from what He created them to be. And they became evil by following the one who rebelled. And they're evil at the core of their being now. There's no redemption for them. There's no way. And there are those who say, well, God will forgive anybody. And somebody says, will God forgive the demons? Will He forgive those evil spirits? No. He will not. His Word is true. He makes it absolutely certain. He made a place for them. It's called hell. And that's the place they will go into and remain for the rest of eternity. Whether we like it or not, whether they like it or not, and I've said this many times before, there are lots of people that go to hell not believing in God, but they're converted upon arrival. There's no unbelievers in hell, folks. Those spiritual hosts of wickedness operate in the spiritual realm, but they affect the physical realm. And this may be a hard concept for us to comprehend. They're operating in the spiritual realm, but they're controlling things in the physical realm. They influence those that grant them access. And that's where believers need to be on guard. The spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places gain access to human beings through many means and avenues. And I'm only going to explore a couple of them here. Maybe three. One major source is through alcohol and drug use. Whether we like it or not, that's a fact. And I have to tell you, not with my words, but through God's. In Revelation chapter 21, it's written, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, Sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But that one word, sorcerers, 
when you look at the root word for that, it's translated from pharmakios. 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 And it means a druggist, pharmacist, a poisoner, and by extension, a magician and a sorcerer. And it only shows up one time, and that's in Revelation 21 and verse 8, which we just read. That's the only time that word shows up in there. But there are two other Greek words that show up and refer to the same thing. We're going to look at one of those. It's written in Revelation 18 and verse 23, The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And that word shows up three times in the New Testament. Once in Revelation 9 and verse 21, and then the passage we just read, Revelation 18 and verse 23, and then in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 20, it's translated witchcraft. But that word sorcery, it comes from pharmakia. The use or the administering of drugs, poisoning, sorcery, magic arts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. Metaphorically, the deceptions and seductions of idolatry. See, idolatry is very deceptive. There are many who are idolaters who have been deceived into it, and maybe they don't even know that they're idolaters. They've been deceived, and they've been seduced by idolatry. But that sorcery word, the use or administering of drugs, pharmakia. That's the one that's taking down this nation. It's being used to destroy the population. Does that mean that there aren't good medicines? Don't take me wrong, folks, because I know there are. But there are drugs that are destroying lives. And those of you who have known me for any period of time know that I stand against that. We are to be sober-minded. The Word says over and over and over, sober-minded, sober-minded, sober-minded. We're to be sober. Be sober. We are instructed repeatedly. Does that mean, look, when they were having communion, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says, wait a minute, I hear you guys are getting drunk having communion. Don't you have houses to get drunk in? And there are those who say, oh no, God says not to get drunk. Well, God never says not to get drunk. He says, don't be a drunkard. That's what He says. In fact, there's places in the Scripture that says, wine makes the heart merry. Now, I'm not going to preach on that, but I've got to bring the balance, okay, so that you understand what the Word says. There's a difference between grape juice and wine, for example. And there's a passage of Scripture that escapes my memory right now that illustrates that. And there's another way that people open themselves to spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, and that's through the Ouija boards and toying with magic. Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. That's what's written in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 31. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. God doesn't want us to be defiled. He says, I am the Lord your God. 
In Isaiah chapter 8, it's written, And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards, and whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? Do you get that? He's not saying it's not possible. He's saying don't do it. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. They were sacrificing their children alive in the fire of Moloch. We don't use fire anymore. We use vacuum cleaners. There shall be none found among you who makes his son or daughter pass through the vacuum cleaner or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. They were going in to possess a land, and God was forewarning them, don't be seduced by this because it's happening there, and this is why God's driving them out and allowing you to come in. The most popular way of giving access to evil spirits is deliberately engaging in and practicing sin. You see those other things? Sorcery. The mediums. Ouija boards. It's all sin. That's not the only sin that opens the door to those evil spirits. Remember what's written in John chapter 5 and verse 14? After our Lord had healed this blind guy, the blind guy used to sit and he used to beg, alms for the poor, alms for the blind. He'd sit at the temple. And see, the Lord found him at the temple. It doesn't say, but it implies that he was alms for the poor, alms for the blind. The Lord said, oh, oh, oh. Oh, you go and sin no more. You've been made well. Sin no more, lest something worse comes upon you. And what's he saying? He healed this guy. But he's telling him something worse could happen to him? What would cause something worse to happen to him? Sin. That's what our Lord said. I don't care what some famous preacher says. I know what Christ said. Because it is written. In 1 Chronicles chapter 10 and verse 13, we learn that Saul died for his unfaithfulness which he had committed against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. He died. He thought he had it all together. He thought he had figured it out. Yeah, call that medium over here. Tell her to tell me what's going on. And God said, you're done. After speaking about a strong man guarding, if the strong man knew what was happening, he'd have protected his house. He wouldn't have let it be plundered. He says, whenever that house is swept, when it's cleaned, 
speaking of the body, when the demons are chased out, when the darkness has fled, he says, it goes, and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. And I have seen this myself within the body of believers. I have watched people who have been delivered from evil, and they have stepped back into it, willingly choosing to sin against Almighty God, and they got filled with demons. I've seen it. I have witnessed it myself. And it's not like some movie thing where somebody's head spins around in circles, okay? But I've seen the reality of this passage of Scripture. It is real, folks. God doesn't want us to sin. He wants us to walk in the light of Christ and to flee the darkness and have the darkness flee us. But I want you to be encouraged. I'm not going to drop this message on a down note, okay? I want you to be encouraged. Almighty God's with faithful believers in Christ. We live our lives obedient by faith. And sometimes it's hard, and I know this. I know it from my personal experience. It's not always easy. It's not like you get this rose walk with Jesus, okay? He's holding your hand. No, sometimes He's got to pick you up and carry you because you can't walk for yourself. And you've got to praise Him for that. Isaiah tells us, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. How many weapons will prosper? Everybody. None. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Does that mean you condemn them on this side of eternity? I don't believe so. They condemned Jesus and He didn't say a word. He didn't condemn them right there. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. But He stands as the judge of the living and the dead, and He will condemn them, and us in Christ will also participate in that process of condemning those tongues that have judged us. Uh, That's happened to me. I can't tell you how many times I've lost count. I don't even care anymore. Want something to talk about? I'll give them something to talk about. Wasn't there a country music song like that? (laughs) Just give them something to talk about. God's protection is afforded to the servants of the Lord. It's His protection. It's our heritage, the Word tells us. Our righteousness is from God. The light of Christ dispels the darkness. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with Him. If God be for us, everybody tell me, who can be against us? None. The enemy's real. There's no doubt about that. The enemy's scheming to lure believers away from Christ. There's no doubt about that. The enemy can only act upon us to the degree with which We submit to Him. And so, as I say very often, resist the devil and he will flee. This is why we're given the illustration of the armor of God. His armor protects us. And we're going to get into those pieces of the armor as we go forward in this series of messages. The whole armor of God is a picture of Christ. The armor is truth. It's righteousness. 
It's the gospel of peace. It's faith. It's salvation. It's the living word of Almighty God. And sometimes, folks, our worst enemy is our own flesh. Our own selves when we give in to temptation. In Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to wrap up. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it's written, He said to them all, this is our Lord, If anyone desires to come after Me, if anyone desires to follow Me, if anyone wants to be My disciple, let him deny himself. Oh my, really? We have to deny ourselves? Why couldn't He make it easier? The hardest thing. I had somebody say to me one time, I can resist anything but temptation. And they were serious. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And what do you do when you pick up a cross? There was an old preacher that said one time, Terry, one thing they know whenever they see somebody carrying a cross out of town, they wasn't coming back. That was it. It was final. When we surrender to God to that degree, when we're carrying that cross, when we have crucified this flesh, we are strengthened in Christ. That's where the power comes from. Him, not us. Daily surrender to Christ is selfless living every day. We have to give up our selfish desires and accept what it is that God provides for us, each and every one of us. By remaining in Christ, we are protected from the enemy. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, that You would pour out Your Spirit upon this congregation and all who would come within the sound of my voice, whether here or on the Facebook Live or on the audio recordings, Lord, and I ask that You would give us the strength to overcome all the enemies that we face. I pray in Christ's name, that You would give us, Lord, what we need. Let us desire to come after Christ. Let us deny ourselves. Let us take up our cross daily and let us follow Him. God have mercy. I pray this all in His mighty and matchless name and all of God's people said, Amen. Now I want you to be here next week. We're going to continue the series the armor of God or the whole armor of God by learning to remain wrapped in truth and righteousness. Wrapped in truth and righteousness. Okay? Be here.